Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Well, and Steve, you're, you? you're going to have to come up with your own uh, greeting for these things. Oh, do I get to do one? You get to do one. Oh, I, I thought I was, you know, I'm, I'm an ancillary nah. to the show. No, I, I I thought about it on the drive down. I was like, oh, no, Steve should have his own little. Okay. Well, you are ancillary well, then to the I'll show, up. but, you know. I'll just start with yo, and then we'll just kind of figure it out from there. <laughs> just build from that. That's yeah. good. I, like I know it took Palmer for, what, a year? He yeah, came up I'm with you greetings, greetings early on. It was like his his oh, first or second shot at it. You know, he, he he you know he went yard, hit it out of the park. All right, but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm already up to yep. See, I've got two right. letters to three letters. There I'll be you go. I'll be I'll, it'll grow. It'll only get bigger. See, it's almost yeah, like, like deja vu all over again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so here we are in the studio, back again. Again. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, at least fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're 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 having a great time. Uh we're cracking open the cousin, getting getting our drink on. The Wait. liquid cousin. We are? Yes. I like you guys have Evil very nice heretic pine, pine glasses, glasses full yes. of beer. And heretic uh, and You were I have, busy, I didn't I want to. I have a bunch of problems. You. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to I was able to sample that delicious brew at uh, Eagle Rock. Brewery here in in uh, Eagle Rock, yeah, you, Southern California. No, you sent me a text that was the less than, yeah. less than glowing. I think. Ah, uh, well, you know, I, <laughs> you know, as your best friend, I don't want to pump you up too bad. What did know? he say? What, what were the exact? Uh... Yeah, it was like I, I don't know or something. I don't think I don't think it's uh, Palmer's uh, style of beer. It's it's a bit <laughs> danker than I like. I mean, it, you know, is is. Um, did it have? An I guess you, in did, it? you didn't, but you didn't brew it for me, did you? No, you I did not. You brewed it for, you know, other everybody parents. else. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> screw me. I mean, that's what right. do I have there? But that's right. That's right. When I when screw I was you. down at Eagle Rock, um, having a couple of beers, I mean, they were pouring that. They were pouring the uh, Taffa Bully, mm-hmm. and uh, people were really digging it. Yeah. So, yeah. You cool. know, good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah. We're, well, we're having fun. Yeah. Uh, we're we're just enjoying ourselves and doing what sounds fun, yeah. and uh, trying to make some money at it. And you know that's one of the uh, the the tricky things I think to uh, doing a brewery. And what we're going to do now is uh, we're 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 going to do uh, uh, three episodes of the Going Pro Show, uh, Bruce Strong Going Pro. We uh, did one episode. Oh gosh, what was Steve? What was it? Six months ago? It was May. May back in May. And uh, 
the response from him was real positive. Everybody, uh, and not everybody, but uh, the majority of people just were like, great, can't wait for the next episode. And, well, you had to wait because, <laughs> you know, Steve and I and then Palmer, uh, you know, we're all just incredibly busy. So uh, we haven't had a chance to get back to um, – uh, doing the the uh, the pro shows, and we want to make sure Steve was in the uh, in the studio. Um, so now we're going to go ahead and knock three of those out, and then we'll go back. We'll we'll do some uh, some uh, homebrew topics, and then we'll do some Q and A, and then we'll go do some more uh, uh, pro shows. But hopefully, we're we're satisfying everybody's uh, itch for beer information. And uh, speaking about uh, satisfying itches, my friend John Plickman. <laughs> He'll satisfy your itch for fine stainless steel equipment. That's for sure. <laughs> Nothing like stainless steel itch scratchers. <laughs> yeah, that's what he should make. Back scratchers, Back scratchers right? made, made out of stainless. <laughs> I got oh. cut on stainless yesterday on my thumb, and it's hurting like a bitch. Oh, you know, one of my here's a tip for you all: you go into pro brewing. You, you need a tube of like you know some back bacterial cidal ointment, like a, a neosporin or a bepanthin. I like the bepanthin. You can't get it in this country really, but okay, uh, it, it, it's fantastic. You get it in Germany. You get it in uh, you can get it in New Zealand really easy. You know Australia. Um, so when I go over, I stock up that and like a big ass box of band because <laughs> otherwise every little cut gets infected. Yeah, I got a, I got a know. metal, I got a stainless splinter. Yeah, I say, so it just, oh, those are the worst. Yeah. Every time you touch thumb, it, it's, it's just still, like it's still in there. Lightning goes down your your bunghole. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. Uh, back to Blickman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, uh, Blickman Engineering. They uh, actually uh, pay pay a good chunk to uh, bring the show to you for free. So if you enjoy the show and and uh, like the information that we bring and and the incredible level of quality humor that you find in the show. Uh, go to BlickmanEngineering.com. That's Blickman with two N's. And uh, you know, check out their, their goods there and uh, tell them uh, how much you appreciate their sponsoring the show. They actually, I believe, are now selling some uh, nano brewery size equipment. If you're, yes. if you're mm-hmm. looking to, to brew like a pro, you, know, you can get yourself some, uh, some Blickman uh, top-tier system. Uh, you know, it's you'll you'll have uh, every advantage right there. And then, uh, if you want to uh, go into nano brewing, then they they sell the one barrel systems, I believe. Yeah, they do. It's a pretty nice looking, pretty nice looking setup. Well, and I wanted to get uh, yeah, a couple of guys that are using the the Blickman uh, nano equipment. Oh, that'd be uh, good. Idea, yeah. They've they've gone pro with it, and I wanted to kind of get a. Uh, you know, rundown of uh, how they're doing it, how it works for them, and all that. Um, I'd be, I'd be curious. I think it's, um, you know, I've got my positives and negatives about doing nano brewing. Um, I think there's some, some real drawbacks. I think there's some real positives. I think it depends on the situation. Um, for me, uh, it wouldn't work. Uh, for Steve, wouldn't work. Wouldn't work. But uh, for some, some situations, I think it would. And uh, it'd be nice to hear from those, from somebody who. Who does find that that's uh, you know something that'll work for them? Mm-hmm. So we'll do that on a future show. T- today we want to talk about uh, the types of breweries. You know how you decide on what kind of brewery you're going to open, whether it be you know a nano, a micro, uh, you know 
uh, a brew Eco. pub, yeah, yeah. Um, a packaging brewery, a tasting room. Alternating proprietorship. Alternating or contract or however you're going to do this. So, Steve, how did you kind of come to decide that you're going to open a brew pub? Why was why was a brew pub and not a packaging brewery or something else? Uh, for me, it was most it was because of geography. Um, I'm in a <clears throat> I'm in a high retail location on a on a main street mm-hmm. in an area that's being gentrified. So it's a it's a retail storefront that we've converted into a brewery. So right. so it's a brew pub in that situation. As can, to me, a brew pub. Well, well, a brew pub is 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 a is, right. a, is a brewery with a restaurant component to mm-hmm. it. So we have the restaurant and the brewery that we're putting together, which is the brew pub. If it were just a a production brewery. That's more. Uh, that's more industrial space, mm-hmm. and that sort of space doesn't exist well, in this the, area. The difference being, you're in an area that the square footage that you are leasing or buying is going to cost you more. Yes, much because more. it costs Three you to four more. Times more, right? You have to have some way of taking advantage of that, and that's the location, location, location thing where you know people are going for dining and. And beers after or before a movie or whatever it might be. Right. So you have to you have to provide a component to monetize that. Yep. If you're out in some industrial park, you don't worry about people wandering by and, and coming in for dinner. Mm-hmm. You, you and that's why you get the the property much cheaper. Right. And you can then have generally you can have larger brew houses as well. We're we're a ten barrel brew house and mm-hmm. and we're busting at the seams with with ten barrels. You're locked in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really, that's a, that's a good size for that kind of location because I mean, a lot of people would probably start with like a seven barrel. I, I actually started to go with a seven barrel, but when you look at the cost difference between the seven barrel and the ten barrel, it's it's negligible. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. uh, and you're in the return to to go with that 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 initial outlay. You you can return that money in in your first year. I think right. the, I think the cost difference between seven barrel and ten barrel was twenty five thousand dollars. When you're dealing with, with a, <clears throat> a seven barrel was I, I bought I bought I bought a package through a, mm-hmm. a company I don't know if we'll say names or not but yeah, uh, it, it was sure. Premier Stainless and um and their the seven barrel package was 125 thousand and the ten barrel package was 160 thousand mm-hmm. and then I put some other toys on top of that mm-hmm. but it, you know once you're at 120 thousand you know 150 or 160 is not that much more right right. Yeah, in well, terms of loan, and and as you say, the, you know, the extra beer you can make each time, you know, and it mm-hmm. helps you pay off the system that much faster. Yeah, right. I think we're all in agreement. You you get the biggest brewery you can, and then from some. from the start, yeah, more than you ever think you would need. That's the size to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and so you've done a brew pub. Uh, what I what I have is a packaging brewery. Uh, John, you want to kind of explain for everybody what the difference is between a brew pub and a packaging brewery? What, or, or even just what, what's a packaging brewery? Shh, like I know. Um, <laughs> no, the, um, the, the purpose of a packaging brewery is uh, you're, you're not really serving the beer on location. You're, you're putting it in kegs. You're putting it in bottles. And, you know, you're selling it, you know, in the package um, mm-hmm. rather than um, focusing on you know, serving it in house, or you know, serving it, or having a, a brewery and tasting room. Um, you know, your main focus is uh, packaging, mm-hmm. and then distributing those kegs to local retailers. Now, when I tell people I have a packaging brewery, a lot of times they'll say to me, 
uh, what you you have a microbrewery now what do they mean by microbrewery I think they're referring to the size of your package (laughs) (laughs) what you don't don't know about my my friend John Palmer (laughs) yeah yeah okay very good go ahead yeah. So, uh, yeah, microbrewery, it, it's all about scale. Um, uh-huh. you, know, the, you got your, your nano, your pico. I think pico's lower than nano. Um, and uh, micro. Is that a Mr. Beer Kit? Yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. And, um, and then you, from a microbrewery, you go up to a small brewery, then a medium-sized brewery, and I don't know. On all, well, they yeah, also they have, they, they qualify like regional brewery is 15,000 barrels. So okay, microbreweries, yeah. any uh, you know, a lot of the the craft breweries, I guess. Uh, I think people just don't know that there's a difference. There's an actual packaging brewery. Um, what what qualifies as a nano brewery, John? Uh, I believe it's um, in your mind. What qualifies as a <laughs> okay, nano brewery? Let me make it easier um, for you. You know, it's you're talking about like a ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty gallon system. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. It's something that's measured somewhere around a barrel or barrels. okay. Yeah. I would think. Right, right. Yeah, and a lot of times I hear, um, you know, one barrel, half barrel, uh, you know, barrel and a half. I think all those seem to be called nanos. What's right. the size up from that, Steve? That you'd say what? What's uh, the three barrel ones? Um, mini micro is a term I've heard tossed mini, around. Mini micro. Mini micro is a three barrel twos. Five barrel. Apparently, mm-hmm. five barrels are really hard to come by, but they do exist. <clears throat> really? In some yeah, I think that that would be a really odd size. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, one barrel. Um, you know, again, uh, Blickman Engineering has something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting size for that. So, okay, we yeah. have brew pubs, you have packaging breweries, nanos, micros. Let's yeah. do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, let's. Um, uh, go into uh, some of the reasons for different well, sizes. Well, that, yeah, that, and then also uh, alternating proprietorships and uh, contract brewing. Back after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. 
Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe, and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it, with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. On Sunday, October 23rd, the last great Northern California beer event of the season will be at Downtown Joe's. The Brewing Network presents A Taste of North Bay Beers. And by a taste, we're talking 10 six-ounce pours. Breweries like Napa Smith, Moylands, Moonlight, Blue Frog, Russian River, Heretic, Drake's, Lagunitas, Iron Springs, Third Street, Ale Industries, Marin Brewing, and more. All day, starting at 12.30 p.m. until 11 o'clock at night and featuring live music from world-renowned Ralph Woodson and Purple Haze. If that's not enough, the home-brewed chef himself, Sean Paxton, will feed 50 select few a private beer dinner at 7 p.m. that will insert Napa herself into your mouth forever. Tickets for the festival and dinner are available in limited quantity at downtownjoes.eventbrite.com. Order now and don't miss A Taste of North Bay Beers. Also stream live on October 23rd at thebrewingnetwork.com. A heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we could think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Things are getting sticky this month at More Beer. All month long, they are featuring their brand new mead kits, and they're hooking you up with an awesome freebie. Their new kits showcase famous Tupelo honey and orange blossom honey from California orange groves. Mead or Melamel, eight all-new kits, as well as Honey by the Pound, are on sale all month long. Tupelo has long been considered the gold standard of honey, prized for its rich, fruity flavor and non-granulating characteristics. Morbeer's unblended Tupelo honey has fruit flavors, intense cedarwood, and a spicy incense quality. Morbeer orange blossom honey should be used for your very best creations. It comes directly from orchards in the California Central Valley and has the unmistakable floral aroma of orange blossoms. By far, one of the favorite honeys for mead. And don't miss Morbeer's free, comprehensive mead-making guide from Sunday session guest Shay Comfort. Dive into yeast nutrition and pH for mead that can ferment in weeks instead of months. For free, dry or sweet, mead or melomel, your best bet for an autumn beverage is at your homebrew superstore, Morbeer. Beer. 
back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right. Let's uh, quickly go over... Um, well, yeah, I think I, th- I think we have to kind of get into the uh, contract brewing and uh, well, the uh, alternate proprietorship. So contract brewing, that's where you essentially, you can go to a an existing brewery and pay them to produce a beer for you. A lot of times they'll say, okay, what recipe do you want? Sometimes places that are having beers contract brew, they go, we need something brown or we need something, you know. We want something amber because our customers like amber. You know, sell us an amber, and they, you know, they just make whatever for them. Um, or, you know, you take them your recipe, and uh, you know, it can go all the way up to you take them your recipe. Maybe you're supplying some of the ingredients that they don't normally get, and maybe you're there on brew day, you know, doing some of the work. But you're not but brewing. It, but you're not technically brewing. It's all under their license. They are the brewer producer. They actually file pricing, I believe, um, and they sell the beer to you when they're done. Um, so, uh, and then there's, uh, and you need you know very little licensing for contract brewing. Alternating proprietorship, you're essentially your own brewery. You need all the same licensing that you need if you're opening a brewery all by yourself. The only difference is you are leasing time from another brewery to use their some of their equipment. You can use as much or as little of their equipment as your agreement states. You just need to keep everything separate as far as ingredients. You cannot share ingredients. You can't share like you know distribution. You can't share a lot of stuff. They want you to be strictly separated. You can't share distribution? Well, maybe you could. If you signed up with a, a distributor together, you know, separately with the same distributor, that's fine. But I don't think you can throw your beer on their truck and they're collecting money for you and dropping off kegs and things like that. I, I'm pretty sure that would not fly. That, that makes sense. They want you to be an entirely separate entity. So um, the host brewery needs their all their packets and all their licensing for being a brewery. You need all yours separately from them. And then you need a series of uh, documents that outline the agreement. You need a couple of forms that you send into the TTB that explain that you're going to alternate. You actually are changing ownership of the building from one party to the other for legal purposes every time you brew. So, do you have to specify like I get Mondays, Wednesdays, and every other Sunday from they they time want to time? yeah they want a way of you know you have to have something outlined for that. It's not that strict, um, but you know that would work. You know you have to have some way of saying okay we're going to take over at a certain time and then it's our brewery and they'll take over and it's their brewery. You can actually file these forms every time you brew. Or they have kind of a, all right, every time we're ready to brew, we're alternating, and we'll keep paperwork that states, you know, when we brewed and all that stuff. So, can can you share uh, fermentation tanks or as the the government calls you, it, tax determination vessels? You can't share them. 
You have to have individually. You have to have your own. Well, and you don't necessarily tax. You tax see when you're doing a brew pub. You have to. You have tax determination vessels because you are serving from those vessels. You transfer to a bright tank, and you know you, and then yeah. you start. If you start serving off of a tank, mm-hmm. you have to pay tax on that entire tank at mm-hmm. that time. Right. Right. In our case, we don't serve off of any of our tanks. We actually transfer into packages, kegs, bottles, whatever. And it's only when that keg or bottle or whatever gets consumed or gets removed from the brewery for consumption or other purposes that it gets taxed. So we don't have to pay tax on the entire tank at that time. It'd actually be a lot easier if we could. Um, And a lot of breweries do that, but... Um, you know, we, we get taxed off of what's in the, the packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, um, so we're getting a little distracted here. Uh, that's alternating proprietorship. I, I look at, um, you know, opening your own brewery. That's like, you know, you go and you buy a car, uh, and maybe you get a loan for it. Maybe you pay cash for it, whatever, but you need your own driver's license. You need your own insurance you need to to do all the paperwork and all that and you drive the car off and it's all your responsibility from then on out you own this car and you need to uh, take care of it and and do all the maintenance and everything right the alternating proprietorship it's like kind of like leasing a car you still need your own driver's license still need your own insurance you still need to maintain the car you still need to do a lot of that stuff but um there's kind of an ownership thing with, uh, you know, the uh, dealership where you got it from. And at some point they're going to want that back or whatever, but you still need all the same licensing as if you just bought the car. Contract brewing is more like, you know, taking a cab. <laughs> uh, you get in, they drive you somewhere, and, you know, there you go. You pay them money and you've gotten to your location or, you know, close to your location. They don't, you don't really get to say exactly how you get to the location, what route you take, how fast you drive, you know, avoid that pothole, whatever. No. They get you the location, you owe them the money. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the difference between uh, alternating contract and... and there, there's one more caveat to alternating as well, isn't there, that you have a limited amount of time that you can lease that vehicle, as you're putting it. Your lease is up after... Well, that's true. That's true. Um there's no formal limit on um, on what that uh, uh, time period might be. So the TTB, the fed- federal government, wants to see a business plan. If you're going to do an alternate proprietorship, they want to see a business plan that includes uh, you know steps for you to get your own brewery building and move out of your alternate proprietorship. So that might be in a year, might be in three years, might be in five years, whatever it might be. And uh, on ours, we um, kept it kind of vague. It's like, yeah, well, in three years we'll be, you know, we're <laughs> two years we're, you know, finding a building. And year three we're doing plans and getting equipment. And in year four it's set up and running or something like that. It's, you know, it was all just wild conjecture on my part, I, you know. Will they hold you to that? No, I don't think they do. They just want to see that you're like, you know, this isn't your plan forever. What they're trying to avoid also with a, on the alternating proprietorships is that once you get past 60,000 barrels, you start paying a different level of tax on your beer. Right. 
And they want to make sure that somebody who's coming up on 60,000 barrels doesn't just all of a sudden say, yeah, let's form another business entity. We'll, you know, just say it's out of the same building and alternating proprietorship. And then, hey, you know, we, we can go to 120 before we have to start paying the tax. So that's one of the things they're concerned about. So um, uh, you need to make sure that, uh, you know, you're completely separate. Everything's all maintained separate. And that's one of the things that uh, they require. All right, so how do you pick, John? You were you were starting to uh, say before the break. You know how do we how would we go about picking which kind of brewery situation is is best for you? Yoo-hoo. All right. Uh, well, Steve, how do you go about picking what what uh, situation is best for you? I, I think John might be there now. Is he or no? No, uh, he said Skype. His Skype went down. Oh, okay. That, okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was actually taking a drink at that time. What'd you say? Then how do I? How do you go about doing what? <laughs> Steve can only focus on one. Am I the only one here in the studio doing what I? Want. I heard you throw. You're throwing it to John. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm throwing it on you, so I don't have to just answer the question myself. How do you go about, you know, deciding what would be, you know, the best? Um, uh, type of brewery for you to open. I mean, how you know, we talked about how you decided on a brew pub, but right. you know that was kind of situational, right? You didn't go saying uh, I want to open a brew pub. You no. went to you. You I said would've... this would be a great location for something beer related, and then it's like, well, it's going to have to be a brew pub. I right. mean, you could have. Yeah. I think gone I would have actually preferred to have gone into a production brewery, but mm-hmm. because of the ge- geographical location I was in, it became a brew pub, and I'm. I don't really know that I have the answer for exactly what your question is. I think it depends on what you want to do mm-hmm. and what your what your abilities are, right? And um, and your 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 cash flow mm-hmm. or your ability to if you want to production brewery and you don't want a loan, you know you you need a fat amount of money to get that. So mm-hmm. it depends on your. I think it all comes down to your abilities, and that's why I think the nano craze is so popular right now. Right, is because you can get into that relatively cheap especially if you're doing less than a barrel mm-hmm. but the, the your labor costs and, and everything are ridiculous are ridiculous yeah. at that point and i i don't think that that nanos are a good business plan myself mm-hmm. um so i wouldn't I, I myself wouldn't look at a nano um production brewery you wouldn't want to go less than 15 barrels uh it doesn't make sense again monetarily to go lo- to do a production brewery for less than 15 barrels yeah, a lot of ones are opening now. They'll do twenty, right? Um, yeah. And I think I'm like, you know, we should have started at fifty. I don't see why we did thirty. The, the numbers I've seen and the, and the math that I've seen says that below fifteen barrels, you're spinning your wheels, and mm-hmm. you're you're you may as well just be buying beer and reselling it at that right. point. Well, and and you know, um, to put in terms uh, what you can do with a thirty barrel brewery. Firestone Walker right now, that's a 30-barrel brewery. Yeah. Um, with you know, a 30-barrel brew house with lots of tanks. Lots and of they, tanks. they run that thing, you know, nonstop, and they've optimized to get as many brew cycles as they can out of that equipment. Mm-hmm. Now, what they're doing is they're adding another 30-barrel brewery kind of in parallel so right. they don't have to change recipes or anything like that. Um, you know, someone like uh, Lagunitas, they, you know, change the brew house each time 
And when you do that, you have to, you know, there's a, a learning curve and messing around with, um, uh, you know, your recipes and just things change every time. You know, if you've ever changed your homebrew equipment, uh, I tell you, it's just, you know, a nightmare every time. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that you want to start big enough that that'll, you know, suffice for a long period of time. I think the simple answer to your original question, though, is pocketbook. Do you uh-huh. have Do you have cab fare? Can right. you lease the car? <laughs> Can you buy the car? Right, right. Is yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that's what it, that's what it came down or to yeah, for me. Like thumbing a ride. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're renting a car, are you doing uh, you know Hertz? You doing budget? In enterprise? You doing uh, rent a wreck? Right. Um. Well, all right. So, you know, if it's if it's money, then uh, yeah, you know, people would, you know, probably everybody would start nano. You know, they just take their homebrew equipment and start, uh, you know, cranking out beer and selling that. Mm -hmm. And the drawback to that is, well, at some point, if you want to actually make money at it, you got to get bigger. Right. Because there's a there's a certain minimum. I was uh, (laughs) mentioning this to to my wife last night. I said, you know, no no brewery is profitable from the beginning. Right. You have to make a certain amount of beer in order to become profitable. Now, the amount of beer that you need to make is going to vary depending on the type of brewery that you do. Like if you're doing a brew pub, mm-hmm. you're retailing your pints. Right. You're making a lot more off of those. You get the food aspect, things like that. Mm-hmm. You have a higher rent. Yeah, and you have to size to your location because mm-hmm. you have square footage you have to deal with. And you obviously want the biggest bang for your buck that you can get, mm-hmm. and but not you don't want to overproduce beer, right? But you definitely don't want to underproduce beer because that would be worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and your 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 square footage determines the number of uh, fermentation vessels you can fermentation vessels that you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the the package that I bought came with four fermenters. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up buying a couple, uh, one more twenty barrel, and a few more serving tanks as well. But in a, in a brew pub situation, you have to think about ferment- your fermentation schedule. Um, I, I, like, I'm 10 barrel, but I max out at 1,400 barrels a year. Um, I can only brew, say I assu- assume I'm doing a 14-day fermentation schedule. Uh-huh. I can brew Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, and my tanks are full. And then I have to then go again. Mm-hmm. So 10 barrels at a time. Um, I think... Yeah, the, the the I can do a thousand barrels a year at mm-hmm. that at that rate. Mm-hmm. I've had I've added some tanks on to go beyond that because a thousand barrels for me is profitable. Um, but you want to make sure that you you calculate the number of seats that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, divide by the uh, I wrote it all down in chicken scratch right. on the plane up here. Right. But. So <laughs> so how do you how do you decide how how big a place you need, how many seats you need, or or do you go with the place you that works for you and Based on the number of seats in there, size your brewery to that, or do you size? You, do you look at? Uh, I guess it's a, a multiple input equation where you're looking it, at your overall costs versus right. the number of seats available, how much you can sell beer for, how much beer you can produce, and there there are numbers. Those need there. to kind of come together, right? Yeah, there are numbers out there that the, the Brewers Association, a fantastic resource for for becoming a brewery. I highly recommend that that everybody join the BA when as early as you can, mm-hmm. you don't even have to, you can get an, an individual membership um, as, as an individual while you're starting out, which gives you access to their forums and to all the data that they have 
that you're then able to utilize because they have geographical and and all, all sorts of, of, of data that you can use to determine what might work for your area. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that as a guideline that you can assume that you'll have between five to 10 barrels of beer per seat per year. Uh-huh. And being that I'm going into a, a beer wasteland of a territory, I'm mm-hmm. obviously calculating low. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that one seat in my, in my pub will produce, will, will consume, produce, will consume five barrels mm-hmm. of beer per year. Mm-hmm. And then I multiply that out. I have a hundred, 104 seats. So that gives me 520 barrels per year on an assumption that I should be able to that I should be able to sell mm-hmm. every year. So mm-hmm. I obviously need to have the ability to sell 520 barrels. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm trying to do that as a nanobrewery, if I'm making two barrels at a time, mm-hmm. it's just it's impossible. It's a mathematical impossibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to figure out your seats, what you think your market can sell right. or, or consume, mm-hmm. and and then run those numbers up. Divide that by the number of vessels that you have and your fermentation schedule that you have so that you're always able to have beer in mm-hmm. the process so that you can actually meet that 520 barrel demand. Right, right. So you need to make sure you have enough tanks for that. And, um, yeah, there are, there are calculations. And, uh, mm-hmm. There are, there's a, there, um, I guess, I don't know, I'll be better, better prepared next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't think there's going to be a next time. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 went, I, was, I was in this step myself back in November, and I had all those numbers, and I've, I've since don't have them anymore. There we go. Because that was right. 11 months ago. Well, on that disappointing note, why don't we take <laughs> another break? <laughs> and when we come back, I will tell you uh, something you don't know about my good friend, John Palmer, after this. BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of holy pops. And HopTech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's, Nottingham, and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. 
Honey, what's wrong? Was the Saison oxidized? Worse. Beer festival season is coming to an end. That's it for craft beer fun for the year. My God, you're right. What are we going to do? Wait, it's a long shot, but... Yes! What? The new Bay Area Craft Beer Festival is coming up October 22nd. <gasps> the one at Martinez Waterfront Park? Yeah, with all that great food. Live music. And, and craft, craft beer. beer. More than 30 of the best breweries west of the Mississippi will be there. I knew you loved me. I do, but I may love the Bay Area Craft Beer Festival more. Hey. Kidding. And I was just about to tell you your Saison is oxidized. What? Tickets for the Bay Area Craft Beer Festival are available online until October 19th at BayAreaCraftBeerFestival.com. All tickets are pre-sale only. None will be sold at the door, so get yours online right now. Great beer, fabulous food, and rockin' live music. Round out your beer fest season right this year at the Bay Area Craft Beer Festival. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Yes. My favorite little segment, what you don't know about my friend John Palmer. <laughs> he was once arrested for displaying a snake at a reptile show. True story. What you don't know about my friend John Palmer. So the, the show we did back in May... <laughs> Yes, your 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 uh your your what you didn't know back then. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> was the John's middle name Dillinger, and I I wanted to chime in on that, but I didn't know if I felt comfortable doing it or not. Yeah. That that I heard that, and it reminded me immediately of a of a Southern California Homebrewers Festival. It's probably three years ago now, and John and I are in a similar <laughs> club, and I know John knows where this is going. So uh-huh. we're at the Southern California Homebrewers Festival. We're pouring pouring beer, and this guy walks up and he's talking to John and. Uh, <laughs> It's a Dillinger. <laughs> and the guy, John's like, well, he, he either dropped his name or his name came up at some point. And the guy's like, you're John Palmer? He's like, yeah. He's like, no. He's like, yeah, I'm John Palmer. And they're talking. And he says, John he, he, Dillinger he Palmer? He didn't, he didn't believe him. And uh, the, guy's, the, guy, so the guy was like quizzing him. He's like, you're not John Palmer. He's like, yeah. He's like, the guy says, what's Jamil's middle name? And John's like, I don't know, dipshit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the guy says, you're not John Palmer, and walks away. That's right, because <laughs> my friend would not say something like that, would he? <laughs> no. Would he? People, Unless he was blasted, yeah. People don't know about John Palmer. You know, they read his book and think he's super he's technical. The, they like, think he's nice and technical. Yeah, upper yeah, crust, yeah. And he's just an asshole sometimes. Yeah, what you don't know about my friend John Palmer. Yeah, he's a human being. He's normal. He's a, he's just <laughs> like you. 
Only uh, he wrote a book. Apparently, he claims to be far more moral than the rest of us. I doubt that. If you listen back to the first episode of the uh, Going Pro. Well, you need to... Those morals are little mushrooms. They're all wrinkly, right? (laughs) Yeah, morals. A wrinkle in my moral fiber. Yeah, yeah. So just ask him about his to display his snake at the next brew festival. There you go. What you don't know about my friend John Palmer. All right, so we were talking about um, something about choosing <laughs> what kind of brew pub you open or uh, packaging breweries. Isn't that what I was going to talk about? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. So when you're trying to decide out a packaging brewery. Interesting uh, thing. I was working our numbers last night, and we've been trying to increase production. And we've been doing draft only, just because it's very easy to get started with draft. You just need some kegs, a truck, and you drive around and say, "Here, you want a keg?" And people buy the kegs, and you know. Well, and you also need um, uh, to collect like their resale permits and stuff like that. You actually need to get that before you can uh, sell them beer. Um. Uh, the the problem is, you know, if you if you go through those numbers, it's like um, like anything. If you go to the store and you buy, you know, one pound package of flour, you expect your per pound price to be higher than if you were to buy fifty pound sack of flour, right? Yes. Same thing happens in beer. Yes. You go and you sell a keg. People look at it as a 50-pound sack of flour, and they want kind of a discount for buying more at a time. And that's the way the pricing is generally set. Well, the problem with that is, in order to make any packaging brewery somewhat viable, if you're selling mainly keg beer, you've got to sell like 3,000 to 5,000 barrels of beer a year just to kind of cover the general costs of operating. That's like kind of your break-even. Right. Now, if you're to put the packaged beer into smaller packages, you can actually charge more per ounce. Mm -hmm. And you want to get as much per ounce of your beer as you can. If you can get your your, a lot of um, uh, pricing, if you're selling beer in, uh, let's say, six packs, you're net profit off of that is maybe a penny an ounce. So off a six pack of beer you're making, you know, maybe seventy two cents. Probably not quite that much. It's a real cutthroat market. It's very difficult. Wow. That's why six packs of twelve ounce bottles, really difficult to make money. You need and if you're making that kind of money off of, you know, you know, a penny an ounce, you need to sell a lot of beer in order to uh be profitable. If you're selling something more like bombers, then you can get up into like the ten cents an ounce range. If you're selling, you know, certain things, canned beer tends to sell for a little less. You need to try and get your per ounce price up, and you do that by selling smaller packages of more interesting beers that you can get higher prices for, and you know, do what you can to to control your your costs. But the the higher your per ounce price the less beer you need to produce in order to break even. Same thing in a brew pub. Your right. per ounce price is quite high. Yeah. Um, in a packaging brewery, especially when you go through a distributor, you're gonna, and you can distribute locally yourself to a certain extent, and you can get more per ounce for your beer that way. Once you sign with a distributor, they take a cut. They need the money to do all the distribution for you. <clears throat> 
and your per ounce price drops again. Right. So, uh, you know, when you're doing, uh, you know, half barrel kegs of, you know, beer that everybody else is making, IPA or, you know, uh, a weed or something like that, you know, you're down in the, you know, one, two cents a, an ounce again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very difficult to make make a lot of money on that. Right. And in the brew pub where, where you need, as a production brewery or an AP, you need to be in the three to 5,000 barrels per year. As a brew pub, I need to be in making more than 500 to be profitable right. because I don't have the overhead of yeah, the like 500 barrels is, is about the break even for most brew pubs. Right. But then you have the added headache of having to deal with a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole another headache to go with it. Well, and that's one of the things I always thought. It's like, I think brew pubs are a great idea. I think you can be quite profitable on the food, on the beer. However, I don't have the time and the patience or, you know, the interest to run a restaurant. I don't want to get in the restaurant business. I want to get in the beer business. And so, you know, that, that always concerns me. That, that would make me steer away. If I, you know, when you have a choice, I think, you know, what we're trying to do is kind of help give people guidance on when they have a choice. And sometimes you, you do, sometimes you don't. You, in your case, you came across a situation that you know was attractive and a deal that really worked for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you would rather do a you know a production brewery. My but, choice was kind of made for me. Yeah, it's like okay, well, I'll take this. That's you know, I'll do a production brewery yeah, later. Yeah, no, no problem. I'll, I'll you know I'll do a brew pub. And uh, in my case, um, you know, the alternating proprietorship. Yeah, you know, would I rather have a brewery all by myself? Sure, but. I don't have the extra, you know, million and a half to make that happen. Mm-hmm. In case you guys want to invest, then you know, send <laughs> checks to, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking. Yeah, we'll be John looking. For, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be looking for for money here uh, coming up, and uh, and that that's the thing. You know, you have to, um, uh, you know, kind of figure out what it is you want to do and what you know you can do financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if a a deal comes up that is a good deal and pencils out to to make fiscal sense then you know that's the deal to take right um on a quick side note um i know we there's some note about we were talking a bit about nanos and there's just i actually want to read something can i can i go go sidetrack and actually read something go ahead all right so we generally it, don't allow reading on the show because no. it shows up our listeners. This who, is called most of them can't. Paddington Bear. We can we can even direct people to there's there's a, there are websites out there where you can get all sorts of information and 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 statistics on on brewing, and Sound Brew, which is a, a they they actually sell used equipment. So uh-huh. Sound Brew, uh, whatever they they sell equipment for for. Well, after you read stuff. that, I've I've got a website to read for you too. Okay, but just a, a few quick things. I, I don't know. It seems like I don't, this pushing me out of taking out of context. But um, talking about just uh, labor and such on, uh, right. and you know, just we'll just direct people there. Just go to soundbrew.com and then uh-huh. just slash small HTML. Read it for yourself, especially points number eight, nine, and ten. It just talks about how when you're when you're going small, mm-hmm. if you're in the three to four barrel range, your your labor and your cost of production. Right. If you're going to try to make a go at it, doing five hundred barrels or 3,000 barrels or whatever it is, mm-hmm. in order to hit those numbers at three barrels at a time, right. you're brewing it seven days a week, mm-hmm. which means that you would have to have 14 fermenters. Right. So the cost that you need to outlay in fermenters in order to make that happen is astronomical. Well, you can use fewer, larger fermenters. 
But so then we're, then multiple, we're upsizing. Multiple brew into it. Well, right. that's true. You could do that too. But, but then your, but your cost is going up. Right. It all comes down to the cost. The, the problem is, you know, the, the, the numbers you got to work on that never go away are labor and... Um, your ingredients. Uh, well, and, and the, the space. Right. Ingredients, they scale directly with the amount of beer you're producing. So ingredients I, I are never really a problem. I don't think so. If I go to more beer and I buy sack of something it's one price but if i go to directly to crosby and baker yeah. and buy that sack i can get a much being a, a bigger but as person a, but as a name not a bigger person but i mean being a being a bigger company i can get being the bigger man no ha- no having the llc after you you get the better right price. no you could but you could get a llc and open a nano brewery llc is yeah, what 100 bucks on the internet yeah <laughs> you know and and you could go to uh country malt or brewer supply and they'll sell you a sack at a time Right. You know, and as but a then, nanny, you would probably buy. But you that know, second 10 at a time, you're paying for the you're paying for you're paying for shipping on that every single sack. Right. If if you need it shipped, then you're screwed. Right. That is really. And where I'm at, I need you. I need everything right. shipped. So if I try doing a nano where I'm at, and I'm if you're shipping in, a, a right. sack if you're with the, the rest of the humans, there's like a one of these places kind of you can just drive. <laughs> you just drive. You know, there I am in LA County. Yeah. <laughs> Out in the desert of LA County, yes. Um, well, and and you know that's uh, again, you know, something you need to to take into account. I think if you are in a good metro area and and you've got a you know a good wholesaler supply real close to where, if you're spending an hour driving each way to go pick up ingredients and you're really kind of you're burning a lot of time again mm-hmm. and fuel, if you're closer than that, then you know that might make sense. Um. And you could go ahead, you know, if, and if you have the space, then you could order more. You could order a couple of pallets at a time. Um, the problem is if you have that kind of space, it tends to cost more money. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people go, well, I'll do it in my garage, and that won't cost me anything. It's like, well, most places, especially in California, you can't do that. Right. There are some, some places where you can, and people are allowed to, like, open breweries in their garages, believe it or not. Yeah, I know if one you guy have that, got away with it. But, but, again, that's not free. You know, um, you know, you have to look at those kind of costs. Those those costs never go away. Labor and, um, uh, you know, your 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 space. Those those costs really don't don't uh, benefit from small breweries. You know, labor. You know, it takes the same amount of labor generally to brew a barrel of beer as it does a thousand barrels of beer. Mm-hmm. You know, which one's cheaper, you know, in your per barrel cost breakdown. And you really need to look at that because that's expensive. And a lot where a lot of nano brewery owners make the mistake is they think, well, I'll do it myself. That doesn't cost me anything. No, that's, you know, it's there's a time. huge, yeah, the, the, your opportunity cost. You could be selling beer. You could do a lot of different things with your time. So you need to take the, take that into a, to account. Um, but, you know, I, I see the, the benefit, however, on the nano breweries where, um, you know, it is a small entry uh, fee to get in. Mm-hmm. That d- definitely attractive. Uh, if you're in a really small market, I know um, there's a, a a couple of breweries where you know that's all they want to do. They are in a town of you know a thousand people. They serve that market. They sell all the beer they make. They're you know enjoying it. And I think they might do some food too. They're like a nano brew pub thing. That I could see making making work, and you could probably generate enough 
revenue to pay one person's salary. So you are the owner, the brewer, everything, and you have you serve food, then you might kind of make it work. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but uh, then you can never go anywhere. Right. Then you're making you're stuck at making what thirty grand a year, maybe. Well, profit. and and there's there's people who would love to do that. Um, for me, I want to make millions and and fly around in private jets. So well, yeah. How else are you gonna? How else are you work. gonna give me a lot of money for being handsome? You know, you need to make it first. So. I probably have that in spare change in the in the, in the car, <laughs> yeah, coin tray in the car. Yeah. Um, it's not exponential. Right. So that's, you know, the uh, things to take into account. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, people go for on nanos is, you know, it'll give them a chance to, you know, get things dialed in and, and figure out, you know, how to make the business work and, and get them exposure. I could see that mm-hmm. as well. I, I, I think one other aspect, Jamil, too, is that maybe starting out as a nano uh, lets them get some name uh, out there, get some name recognition. Right. Get a, you know, get some get some buzz going, right? With, but you know, you're only capital outlay. Yeah the 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 problem is your, maybe, your maybe buzz is your buzz is limited to the amount of people that really can drink your beer, and the less beer you produce, the less buzz you're going to produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not Literally. not a hundred percent, but yeah. Um, but I do think the investor part is a valid argument because if you can say, look, you know, with this. You know, three thousand dollar investment. I've made this business that sells every drop of beer we can produce. It's generated. You know, the profit margin on the beer we're producing is this. Um, you know, we believe this will scale up, and if we get a you know half a million dollar loan, we will buy this equipment and we will produce this amount of beer, and we will now be able to you know generate this amount of revenue. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think something like that is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, that could work. If you're in a situation where, you know, there's no other way for you to get a loan, um, I think that would help tremendously. And it might actually drive down the cost of getting that money. Yeah. Or, you know, investors that will believe in you and, yeah, you, know, you never know. You might get somebody that, you know, drinks your nano beer and says, you know, why aren't you doing this on a bigger scale? You know, I want to invest that might work mm-hmm. um also the uh, the application process the the time and the uh, the headache that goes into starting a brewery mm-hmm. is something that you have to account for as well there are there are months and months and months i mean we are we we are still awaiting our our uh ttb license at this point and i sent that in in june oh you know i told them not to approve that i, I, th- I think okay they i think that. they heard that <laughs> So I mean I'm four months into the process. I've got a lease. I have, right. I have two hundred and twelve thousand dollars worth of equipment that showed up yesterday. Takes time, and I can't do anything with it. I'm looking at it. Yeah, the, you, you know the un- unfortunate thing. Well, is, I, I did actually um, sleep with it, but you know, uh, federal government's ratcheting down on you know the number of people that they're going to have working, and the number of licenses being applied for is skyrocketing. You know, they're, they're just swamped, and it's going to, you know, take time. The The thing that you can do, and we'll get into this. Uh, Steve and I discussed this. We're going to do another show just on licensing and filling out your packet and the right things to do. I thought you had a small packet. 
I have, I, I, contrary to what Palmer says, I have a very large yeah. package. I don't get it. Of TTB paperwork. Yeah. Um, and, um, well, and speaking of large packages. Yeah. <laughs> we do have another sponsor, uh, adamandeve.com. Uh, fellas, gals, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about it, surprising your love with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for limited time only, you get 50% off just about any item. That's not all. When you select your one item at 50% off, you will also receive three free adult VDs of your choosing for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so essential can't mention on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for a special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type J-A-M-I-L, Jamel, for the offer code upon checkout. You get the three free DVDs, DVDs, a free extra. The cousin's doing me in. Slow free down, extra baby. gift. <laughs> Slow down. It's, it's over 8%. Free DVDs. Yeah. yeah. Just rhythm. Free rhythm extra method. gift and free shipping. Use the offer code J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com. And they also have a new mobile site. So if you're, yes. you know... Uh, needing things while you're mobile, you can pull out your uh, smartphone and uh, go to m.adameve.com and you can uh, do all the same thing on, on the mobile site, uh, I assume, right? Yeah, so, it, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, ladies uh, and gentlemen, uh, start your, start right your browsers your and yeah. uh, listen, finish listening to the show first. And then go to uh, adamandeve.com and get yourself something. Well, the beauty special. is, you Have know, fun. a lot of our listeners listen at work. So right. this is on their iPod. Uh, and they don't want to. They don't want to go to adamandeve.com at work on their browser. They do on the so, mobile. Yeah, just take a smoke break or something like that. Go get on your phone, get a couple DVDs, and you're set, man. Is that, is that what you call it? When you go to the bathroom, close the door, and you're in there a long time. Is that a smoke break? Well, it depends on who's there with me, Jamil. <laughs> what? What? All right. Well, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll we'll wrap up uh, uh, our discussion of. Uh, you know, how to choose a type of brewery and any questions you might have in the chat. Back after this. Yes. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store has been ransacked. 
You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And then From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has homebrewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. Mother White Labs. It's all in the vial.
What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious devils on horseback. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events, recipes, great feature stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders, and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Nice. Right. We're back. Okay. So, uh, what was I talking about? And we were talking about your micro package. On the air? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, tasting rooms also. I, I wanted to cover that. Um, you know, in the situation I'm in, I don't have a tasting room. I have my kegerator downstairs. And if you come by for a tour, you can have a taste. But I don't have a tasting room to, like, sell people pints and stuff. And that's a huge, uh, you know, um, it's like bonus source, source of revenue. Yeah, because you're selling, again, you get your per, per ounce price up much higher. Um, so that's, you know, one thing you really want to have. In my alternating proprietorship, I just don't have that. When we, you know, move to our own building, we'll definitely have a tasting room. And was that something you could have negotiated in, or is it safe? It's difficult state? because again, everything needs to be separate. You know, you are a completely separate business. You're a completely separate brewery. You can't really share anything. You can lease stuff from somebody, but how do you lease a portion of their tasting room? How do you, you know, you can't do it, you know, hour by hour. You can't do it, you know, 50-50. Would you be able just to buy a tap? That's what, I, yeah. Uh, can't uh, you like just one line on one tower? You know, who's serving it, who's collecting the money, you know. Oh. I think it, it, it becomes very iffy at that point. So if you had your own serving tank with your own tap, with your own employee, and your own cash register. Uh, that would probably work, I would think. But then you'd lose your money on your employee and such. Right, yeah. Okay. Right. Too bad you can't set up a kiosk in the mall. Right. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's that's one thing. You know, if you're if you're doing a production brewery, you want to have a tasting room. Everybody who does a, a production brewery says tasting room. Everybody who does a production brewery says you got a bottle or you got a can uh, in order to you know to make it work. So, uh, very important things. Uh, nano, micro, what else didn't we cover that we wanted to cover, Steve? I can't think of anything. All right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Can anybody in the chat think of things we haven't covered? JP? Excuse me. Excuse me while I'm trying to get my drink on. Um, well, Bug Eater in the chat actually had a good point. Boog. I asked if there's any questions. He goes, no questions. These guys have confirmed all the reasons why I don't want to open my brewery. <laughs> Too damned much work. Right. No, I, I I agree. I agree. It's a lot of freaking work and I'm with him. You know, and I and I appreciate that he's listening even though um, you know, it's something he don't want to do. Um Sounds like it confirmed a lot of 
Yeah, <laughs> a lot of things for him. You know? Uh, you know, it's it's a huge amount of work. I mean, and you know, the wounds I have on me. We, we should do a show on brewery injuries, <laughs> <laughs> and just the amount of work I'm working. Um, I, I work every day of the week. Yeah, about sixteen hours a day, <laughs> every day, and that's just to get this thing going. And it it takes that kind of work. I mean, you're doing the similar thing, right, Steve? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm still. I'm in the thick of it. We're not even open, and I'm. So I'm pushing to get right. things open because right. I mean, I'm not making money at this point. And, so I really am pushing. And you're doing all this with you know, like you know no revenue coming in, and then even once you do open, it's going to take you a year or more to like start truly getting profitable. You know, yep. you got to get the people in on a regular basis. They got to drink a lot of the beer. You got to get all your beers dialed in. You got to have a an array of beers so that you're you know keeping people interested. Uh, you know, really, really takes, uh, you know, quite a bit. Uh, we have a, a legitimate question, though, from Nine Toad Brewing oh, in the Boo's chat. I thought question was, or comment was legitimate. Yeah, but it wasn't a question, I guess. Yeah. I didn't mean to say that. Bug, I apologize. No, no. Um, I, I love that. you like a man loves a man. Um, so this is from Nine Toad Brewing. He says, a question from a home brewer's perspective. Mm-hmm. What was the tipping point when you stopped telling your friends no and said, fuck it, I'm going to go pro? Well, for me, it was, you know, I, I came across a situation to do this alternating proprietorship. It essentially meant instead of getting into a brewery for a half a million, three-quarter million, a million and a half dollars, I got into a brewery for, you know, 250 or, you know, 100 and something. Um, you know, it's, it's a huge difference. It's a, you know, like a 10 to 1 type of, type of deal. Almost, or at least five to one, saves yeah. you a lot of money, and you're and you're up and producing. You know, in theory, cheaper and quicker. What's interesting is you both, um, you know, are are microbrewery owners, but you have very different paths to take. And 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 Sven, why don't you wrap about yours real quick? Um, what do you wrap about? It? What do you want? To well, you know, like how, like what, like what forced you into the in the decision? You don't know what rap is? Yeah, come on. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, urban like, like how did you, you know, you didn't go, oh, I'm going to uh, do this and go down the, the way. You kind of just fell into it, right? I, I really did, yeah, that, yeah. It got kind of thrown at me. And um, and we discussed it a bit in the prior show that we did before. Yeah, but no one listened. I know. that. Yeah. So, yeah, real quickly, it just, it really literally was was handed to me. I, I was looking at doing a beer, uh, just a nice beer bar, a gastropub. I looked at retail space, and one thing led to another. Um, I'm yeah. meeting with a uh, with an in, with a guy with a, with an investment a redevelopment group, and I took beer to the guy. He's like, "Oh, you make beer?" I'm like, "Why are we trying to do a bar? Why not just make beer?" He knew numbers. Um, I knew the numbers, and it just worked out. And it, it was fortunate that the guy is a uh, is uh, has like a philanthropic heart, and he really just wants to see other people succeed. So for my I'm putting money into this, my own money into this, but it's. Like you're saying, it's I'm I'm, I'm getting it like ten to one. Right. I'm, I'm putting right. in a percentage, and my percentage of ownership mm-hmm. is far far greater. If than, you, than if my you investment. can come across those kinds of deals, then they're deals worth worth having. Especially right now, the brewery craft brewery market is you know on fire, and you can sell pretty much everything you can make. Yeah. You just need to go ahead and start making it. So I would right now I'd encourage most people to go ahead and make that jump. If you know good beer and you can make good beer. And you have some financial ability to make it happen, then I, I just go ahead and do it. I think, especially if you're young, just do it. You know, you, how many times do you get a chance uh, to live your dream? So uh, 
ticket. And I can answer for you why uh, John hasn't done it. He's lazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shiftless. Uh, he yeah, answered that in the first Limited. Show. But he limited. does have high morals. He's got better morals than the rest of us. <laughs> well, All right. He's more into those carny tricks like selling <laughs> books and shit. Yeah. So, good show. I think... Uh, if you're if you're listening live, stick around. We're going to go ahead and get into kind of the sequence of things that you're going to need to do in order to open your brewery. You know what to what to tackle first. Some things that you may not have thought of. Uh, we're going to cover those. If you get a chance, check out BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two ends. Uh, they're making some great products, and uh, they pay for the show, so you don't have to. Check out the Brewing Network store. There's lots of goodies in there, shirts, hoodies, glasses, hats, uh, books, all sorts of stuff. When you buy that stuff, it goes directly to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and helps uh, keep this show on the air. Also, check out uh, like BYO. There's a link to, to subscribe to BYO. When you do, half of that BYO subscription goes to the Brewing Network. So uh, it's a real good deal for the Brewing Network, a real good deal for you because you get a quality magazine. And uh, I don't know what happens to BYO. I guess they're just kind of taking it in the shorts, but... Yeah, it's great for everybody else. And uh, you might also see uh, a link there for the uh, American Homebrewers Association. That's another another great uh, organization. You can sign up for that. Same sort of deal. A portion of those proceeds go to the Brewing Network. And you get a great uh, membership and a great organization that helps support homebrewers like you, me, and everybody mm-hmm. else. And except JP, who... I, I don't know yeah. what is going on with it. Well, it's either stay here or clean up my cat box. So I right. come here. Well, on that note, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody. <laughs>